0: Hello. Good smiling. (laughs) So yeah, it's really great to be able to speak to you today, and um, I'm going to be talking this morning about my work with Transforming Lives for Good, known as TLG, and because today is the first ever TLG Sunday. Say ooh! Ooh. So across the country today, there are 159 talks going on. Wow, it's good, isn't it? Um, So. And with that, I'd like to introduce Gareth. Gareth's here um, from TLG. He's just started as church relationships manager for the North, and he's here with his wife Naomi and their daughter Zoe, so be nice to them at the end. <clears throat> um, yeah, so I think Neil is going to enjoy watching this unfold today as he set me the challenge of talking about, T- well, I asked if I could speak about TLG on TLG Sunday. He said it'd be really good if you fit in with our st- our, where we're up to on axe. Then I realised the amount of complicated place names that are in it and I realised why. He was like, Acts 27, that would be really good for you. So YouTube has been a really good thing this week to try and learn the pronunciations. Um, So yeah, my role at TLG is um, head teacher of TLG Bolton in Farmworth, which is one of our education centres. And this runs alongside in partnership with Farmworth Baptist Church. And it's designed to help children in crisis in their education. So it helps them to make progress where they're at, achieve qualifications along the way, but most importantly, supporting them through the work, and through, through their social, emotional, and mental health challenges and the things that lie under their behavior in a nurturing environment. So we're in a privileged position that we have time outside of the mainstream pressures to um, build a relationship with them and to be more like family to them. So God has given me a heart for educating those who are left behind, the last, the least, and the lost. And I'm a trained primary school teacher, as some of you know. And during the seven years that I worked in mainstream, God just broke my heart for the forgotten, the left behind, the misunderstood in our education system in the UK. And this is becoming more and more of a problem, as I'm sure you've seen all over the news. And that's what drew me to work for TLG. I thought education and Jesus in one, can't go wrong. Um, So I'm going to share a couple of incredible stories from some of our 150 plus churches that we are currently equipping to make an impact in their communities. But I'm also going to share the amazing ways that you can join with 12,000 Christians passionate to see God move in the lives of children and families who support the work of TLG. So we're gonna take a a look at God's word together. We're up to Acts 27 and we're gonna read it in four sections, so we're gonna read up to verse 12. So when it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship for Adramitium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia. And we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, Thessalonica was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. From there we put out to sea again and passed to the Lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. There, the Centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Nidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the lee of Crete, opposite Salmone. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fairhavens, near the town of Lazia. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous, because by now it was after the Day of Atonement, so Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo, and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbour was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbour in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. So Paul has found himself on a journey. The Jewish attitude to the sea is that it was a monster. The Jews acknowledged that God had made this sea, but it was still seen as a dark force. But Paul was unusual. He was a seasoned sea traveller. He He'd jumped on and off boats. He'd waited at ports for storms to pass. He would picked up sailors' jargon. He was shipwrecked three times prior to this, so he was under no illusion that this journey might mean disaster. So can you think of a time in your life when you were lost? Maybe life felt dangerous. Maybe there wasn't a, cl- a clear way forward. In that time, did you have someone that you could rely on? Someone to champion you, someone to show kindness, just like the centurion Julia showed kindness to Paul. The TLG journey began in its church in inner city Bradford as the local youth team began their Friday night program. But little did they know that God was on the move and he had bigger plans. When 13-year-old Lewis started coming along to the church youth club, his natural response was to punch any new person he met. On the surface, he was angry, he was unsociable, he was full of attitude. And because of this, he'd been excluded from school. He'd been isolated and he was going through his life journey alone. Underneath all of this, it was Lewis's heart that was confused and hurting. He was struggling to cope with mum's new boyfriend. He didn't feel safe. He had had loads of frustration from growing up in one of the poorest estates in Bradford. And underneath all this behaviour and everything that he was displaying, his heart was struggling. God impressed upon that local youth team, who are now the executive team of TLG, to overlook that unsociable behaviour, those anger outbursts, to look underneath at what was going on under the surface. They chose to believe in him, to stand with him, to champion him, whatever life threw at him and whatever mistakes he made. I wonder, can you think of somebody where you think you just see the behaviour and not what's going on underneath? Currently, in our country today, there are thousands of struggling children with issues underneath the surface. Over 200,000 of those children or young people are excluded from school every single year because they can't cope. Nearly 36,000 of those exclusions are given to primary school children and 7,000 were given to under the age of seven. This is not God's plan for our world, for our children He called this local church youth team to do something about it. He called them to rise up and equip the local church to be able to stand alongside those struggling children and young people like Lewis. And this is now happening all over the country in local communities and a movement has started to stir. I'm going to carry on reading from verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island island called Corda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Surtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they went through the ship's tackle, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved." After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before the men. Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God, of the God whom I belong to and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors left, let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, "'Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved.'" So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. So Paul is amid this great storm. The boat is being battered. I can't imagine it's just the stuff of nightmares that I would not be found on that ship. They gave up all hope of being saved. And I wonder have you ever looked at a child, a family, and said to yourself, they are way beyond help? there is no hope for them. We all do it. We all judge. We've all looked at teenagers on the street and gone. They are are just going down the drain. There is no hope. They are beyond hope. But just like for Paul, everything seemed hopeless. Sometimes we look at people and think they're beyond hope. But Paul had God on his side. God had a job, a purpose, a reason to live on the other side of that storm for Paul. And I want to challenge you this morning with the children, the young people, and the families that are living in in this community around church, but also on the ends of your street. Do you consider the journey that people are on? What has gone on underneath the surface? Maybe the storm that is going on in their lives. Have you written off people by thinking they're beyond hope? And so many children in the UK today have no one to champion them through the struggles of life. They have no one who believes in their potential. They have no one to look beyond the circumstance, their appearance, their behavior, to see what's going on beneath the surface, on the journey that they're off and on alone. And believing that every child is worthy is at the core of everything that we do at TLG. And because we know that every struggling child in the UK today needs the support of a positive and consistent faith-filled role model. So currently in our country today, one in ten children are unable to cope with the school day. And almost two thirds of children say they worry all the time. Last year, one of our amazing partner churches told us about Luke. Luke was a little boy, only eight, and he was already really, really struggling. When Luke struggled, he lashed out with um, unacceptable behaviour and he obviously got into trouble, loads. But behaviour got so bad for Luke that when it was playtime and he was in the playground, his teachers had to cone off a section of the playground for him to play in all by himself. Who was looking behind his behaviour to what he was going through and the struggles he was facing? Who was there to champion Luke through life? Who was there to tell Luke that there is hope? Thankfully, TLG has equipped local church volunteers to reach out to these struggling children, to be that Christ-like volunteer that they so desperately need walking through life's challenges. And just like in Paul's journey, we at TLG believe that God can speak into the most hopeless situations. That he is there in the storm and waiting to bring these children and families out the other end. We believe that the local church can and should instill that message within them. And we're waiting to give the tools to do so. So verse 33. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, You have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. You might not believe right now, but as I'm speaking here this morning, there are 1.5 million children living in poverty who are eligible for free school meals. One in five children are facing food insecurity in our country today. And when that term-time revision stops, these thousands of children in this country are going hungry in the holidays. And here's what one of our mums had to say about the fear of hunger for her own child. I used to be petrified of school holidays. I'm on a very low income. I get enough just about to keep our heads above water, but that's it. So when the holidays came, I'd be afraid of how I was going to feed my daughter, Marcy. When I think about the future for me and Marcy, I just hope we'll be happy that we belong somewhere, and that we're part of something big. TLG believes that Marcy and her mum are worthy of a hope and a future, and we believe that God has seen them from the beginning of time, and we are ready to equip local church to reach out to them and support them in their struggle. Let's finish the final part of Acts now, verse 39 to 44. When daylight came, they did not recognise the land, But they saw a bay with a sandy beach, where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea, and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move. And the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. So everything probably looked a little bit better now they'd had some food. And the things always look better in the daytime, don't they? Not in the middle of the night. But here is a final twist to Paul's shipwreck story. The Romans planned to kill the prisoners. Okay, even after all this time, they'd been on this journey together, and they still were ready to kill the prisoners. Romans were still trained in cold, to kill in cold blood. And if they let the prisoners go, then their heads would be on the line. It's the centurion Julius. Do you remember him from the start? He was the one to speak out for the prisoners. He had shown kindness to Paul all the way along. He is the one who recognizes that he had one of the most unusual prisoners he'd ever come across who'd say, who saved the day. Can you hear the scriptural echo of another story that plays out like this? Through the waters to safety is the story of Noah, the Exodus, John the Baptist. Jesus, Paul, and even our stories. My heart is for anyone that doesn't know Jesus to also find that this can be their story. God's heart is that no one is lost, that everyone makes it through the waters, the storms of life to be saved. And everything TLG does to equip local church is to bring a hope and a future to the lives of struggling children and families across the country. So our education centers are designed to put local church at the center of the lives of teenagers who are struggling underneath the surface, who need someone to believe in them, who have been excluded. And through the local church, we are saying, we believe in you. You were called to be more than this. You are loved. Today, we have 13 of these centres running in churches around the country, supporting 150 teenagers at Crisis Point, one of which is the centre I'm at in Farnworth. In 2010, we created Early Intervention, which was designed to put a church volunteer alongside a struggling child for just one hour a week in a local primary school. And today, there are over 90 churches running this programme from Cornwall to Inverness, serving and supporting over 300 children each year. And this year, we've added Make Lunch to our programs. You might have heard of Make Lunch before. Um, Created to equip churches to feed the one in five children facing food insecurity in this country, which is one of the highest in Europe. This year, through our amazing partner churches, we've hosted 151 lunch clubs serving over 2,000 meals to hungry children. And these clubs welcome entire families into the church to receive that vital practical help as well as pastoral care. We can now say that, well, TLG's been going for 20 years. We can now say over 10,000 children have been helped by TLG through equipping the local church to reach out to struggling children and families. I just want to read something out to you that um, a boy in our centre wrote. So he arrived with us just after Easter this year, and he'd come through the youth offending team. He was really quiet. He lacked confidence. He had major anger issues. But despite all that, he had a real thirst for learning. He hadn't been in school since year seven, and he was with us in year 11, and he just worked at home, researching things. He was in his own storm. He was trying to deal with life, what life had thrown at him, and he was in turmoil, and that's what had led to some really unwise decisions. But through us working alongside him and being family to him, we saw this boy begin to laugh, stand up straighter. He took his hood down, which you know, that's an amazing sign. (laughs) began to open up, and then began to speak about injustice. It was the most beautiful transformation happening right in front of our eyes, and Janet and Rob, who both volunteer in our center, they've witnessed that, and they would would agree that it's just been the most beautiful thing to watch. And one day during our topic of dreams, when we were studying Martin Luther King and, and his I Have a Dream speech, he wrote his own, I'd love to share it with you. He's now left us and he started college. He hopes one day to be a computer programmer, and I just pray that he carries on defying the labels and the stigmas of the waters that he has come through. So this is what he's written coming out of the youth offending team. The current legal system is a broken mess. White walls and violence destroy the minds of the poor souls stuck behind its walls and raise a wire. They came out only to be welcomed by inequality, denied job applications, and stereotyping. The main reason people reoffend is because they are denied jobs and need to reoffend in order to get the money to stay alive. Our prison system is currently designed to punish these filthy animals, without a thought in in the mind that these scum, as people like to call them, are just people that have made mistakes, and everyone makes mistakes. I have a dream that one day our prison system will be redesigned to rehabilitate these men and women properly, integrating them back into society and becoming successful people. I have a dream that one day, no matter what mistakes you have made, you will have equal opportunities and are seen as a person instead of a criminal. Are we desperate enough for our children to know that whatever life throws at them, whatever storms they face, They know they have been chosen by God. I wonder this morning if God is stirring your heart to stand with this vision and join this movement. Knowing that there are thousands of children and families facing crisis in their lives, TLG are passionate and committed to reaching many more as quickly as we can. I want to take a few minutes to ask you to stand with us as we seek to raise up more local church volunteers to help us transform many more lives like Lewis, Luke and our Bolton students. If, like me, you believe that children are worth what God says they're worth, if you believe that Jesus has a perfect plan for them, and if you believe that we need to do all we can to reach them, then now is your opportunity to join this amazing God-given vision. On your um, chairs, you will have found one of these leaflets. And this is your opportunity to get involved. So just by filling out that middle part Which is just your contact information to receive a magazine with more stories of transformation, you can just fill that in. And by filling that in and handing it to me or Gareth at the end, you get a free book. Good deal, eh? Okay? So you can come and hand that in at the end and you will receive a free book all about the TLG story called Out of the Ordinary. This one. Okay? But it's not wrapped up in (laughs) bows. But there will also be those of you here this morning that have been so touched about how God is moving and what I've said. And like me, you know that Jesus can make a difference in the lives of struggling children and family through the local church. If that is you, then now's your opportunity to really help us do so. The reality is that for us to provide more help, it depends on the generous gifts of many others. We are currently in a phase of seeing more and more individuals choosing to join this incredible vision. So this morning, we would love to celebrate members from this church becoming hope givers and joining that vision. I want to give you the special opportunity now to consider choosing to become a hope giver this morning. So that's the blue part of your form. So this morning, if you could give £15 a month, that would be the cost of some early intervention support, just like Luke received through the primary school through a church volunteer. But there'll also be some of you this morning that could become one of our impact givers, which is £60 a month, but that pays for a whole family to go on one of our faith adventure weekends where they will um, get a chance to build a relationship with their church volunteer, but also, most importantly, to meet with Jesus probably for the first time. Or could you join with hundreds of other Christians around this country who are cheerfully giving a regular donation of £10 or more a month to go to TLG to support our heart and vision? Whatever you can give, your heart of generosity will change lives. So I'll give you a few minutes now to have a think if you could become one of those hope givers today and to fill in your form if you'd like a free book. And I'm just going to play a video just while I give you a chance to do that. This is Ruby. Ruby. She grew up in inner city Bradford. She was really, really struggling at home and in school. And it's amazing for us to be able to see the impact that local church can make when we equip people to, become, to make the difference. This is Ruby.
1: Father coaching, tough times. Cause like, I was actually being bullied at school. Um, introduced herself to me, uh, Ruby were, and me were both apprehensive about starting at Emmanuel School. I was worrying like a lot like new school, like it, it was like going to be like massive and stuff. Ruby'd always have a meltdown so when I picked her up from school. Um, she'd hold all her emotions in all day at school. Whether it could have been something that had triggered her in the morning, and then when I picked her up at three, it'd just be. The old world has ended and it was hard it were out on me and it were hard on Ruby. I was like, really worried about going to Emmanuel because you know I've got ours and veggies, you know. My brother calls it asparagus. And for the millionth time I am not a vegetable. There were plenty of visits to Emmanuel and Definitely. meeting meeting the staff, going at busy times. Going at quiet times with Jo taking you on the visits to Emmanuel That helped a lot because Ruby were becoming familiar with her surroundings. Jo, she's an angel. She's an angel. Because of my depression, the doctors wanted to give me antidepressants and that's not the road that I wanted to go down. But going to church is given... It's, it's helped me more than what any antidepressant and bereavement counselling could do because I know that God's got a plan for all of us and that God loves me. Thanks, Joe. You just helped me in a lot of ways. You made me feel better about myself. Oh, God, my tears. I think I feel better about myself. You made me feel happy. Thank you for, for all the things that you've did. I really appreciate it.
0: can't watch that without crying (laughs) yeah so on behalf of everyone at TLG and all the children the young people and the families that we work with I want to say a thank a huge thank you for all your generosity this morning for making time to hear more about what God is doing through TLG and the local church so if you have forms to hand in then Gareth and I'll be out there during tea and coffee or if you want to ask more questions you want to come and chat and find out anything else then we'll be there to talk to you but thank you very much